The house has shifted, I think, because the doors seem to have gone quiet. My throat feels like rough-grade sandpaper from the citrus and battery-acid taste of my own stomach trying to fling itself upward and out of me. My breath feels like something that someone is ramming into my lungs with violent fists and pulling back out like a stubborn weed. I just suck in the air like a hungry drain. It gets jaggedly caught for a moment, and then I weakly let it escape like a soul half-heartedly trying to sneak its way out of its failing meat prison. Every time I try to search for my symptoms online, the results are only for denouement or a map pinpointing Black Falls in the Colorado Rocky Mountains. I didn't have much hope of WebMD having a page dedicated to a sickness or disease that leads to thin slash marks weeping blood appearing overnight for months at a time. It feels like this is something I don't deserve. It feels like no one has even noticed I stay inside for days at a time. And if I died here in my room, heavy with sour, sweat smells, no one would ever find me. I feel like some kind of reverse butterfly. I spun a cocoon of isolation, and when I emerge changed, it won't be for the better. Sometimes, my dreams, as rare as they are, are taken over by a small dark town populated with faceless children milling about aimlessly with faceless adults, oblivious, and raising their hands in the air, reaching for a black sky roiling with clouds that look clenched in pain. In those infrequent times I can actually sleep, not the fitful, sweaty bouts that tap-dance painfully on the border of wakefulness and sweet release. The honeyed perfume of a child's laughter paints the air like a single star in the inky nothingness of a cold night sky. The twinkling sound of her in the dreams I can tell, I know it's a little girl. Delighted tittering is both crystalline and pure, while filling me with the dread of watching helplessly as a hammer hurtles towards a perfect mirror. Her laugh, high and carefree, is simultaneously innocent by virtue and sinister trachel. Without ever seeing her, I know she's the only one in the dream besides me with a face, with defined features and a mind all her own. On a low wind, different from the howling blowing I remember from living in Black Falls, her voice carries, like a wind chime, through yielding bowed branches of a benign willow. She asks me to raise my hands in front of me, as if I should offer or accept something of tribute. I can't help myself and comply. The wind, the gentlest of breezes, pushes my hands to each other, entwining my fingers together like a fragile spider finding safe solace with one another. Her voice, reedy and young, but with enough steel behind it to be frightening. She tells me a story about a man who left Black Falls and came back. She tells me there was one other who left Black Falls and stayed away. The breeze picks up and slams down on my hands, vice grip tight. She says something under her breath about how one loose thread can unravel a sweater or a town. I feel the gusts dry the cold sweat I didn't notice I had broken out in. Then, with one last thermal draft that feels like a springtime kiss, the dream fades into sepia and then black. I smile. It's a smile of relief and bittersweet regret that lets free with a whimper. And that's how Lily Van Horn killed Johnny Campbell. If you liked this, check out some of our other shows like Mr. Right, Exotic Liability, and No Applause, Just the Clap. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for 
BACN on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh, yeah.